0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Ads Lyson. If you want 15% off your surfing and outdoor gear, look no further. Go to Northcore on the internet and use the code, capital letters, grumpy surf with an extra capital F on the end of surf to receive 15% off your purchase. On the podcast today, I have a woman that competes on the WSL Longboard Tour but rips equally as hard on a shortboard. In the podcast, we talk about the Olympics. Surfing England and high performance women's surfing. Please enjoy my conversation with Emily Curry. Emily Curry, welcome to the podcast. How are you?
1: All good, thank you.
0: A few questions to start with them. Where are you? And have you surfed today?
1: Uh, I'm currently at home in Bude, North Cornwall, and yes, I have surfed today. It was pumping.
0: Were the waves as good as what they were at North Devon? I surfed twice today, so I went out in Saunton this morning, first light. Took my longboard out, scored some really, really good, surprisingly good waves. It was really weird as well because it would there was no wind and it was like flowing little bits of snow as well And it hasn't i haven't seen snow for about five years so i was like oh this is amazing
1: epic oh i bet Thornton was good today um we had yeah good waves it was like not as big as predicted especially this morning the swell really came in with the push which is always good had brilliant waves this afternoon mid to high tide at a little break just north of Bude and really fun waves, right-handers, just reeling, and yeah, great fun.
0: I'm going to put a claim out there because I've been super stoked about this, and I've been trying to tell everyone. I've been trying to hide it because it's kind of a kooky thing to do, but I surfed um, I surfed Croyd um, just after just after low tide today, and it was like I've never seen it that hollow. And I've got two little barrels. And I was like, oh, yes. it. And people saw them, and they were like, that oh, yes. And I was like, yes. Amazing. <laughs> that
1: like such a good feeling, isn't it? Such a good feeling.
0: Thing is for me, it's it's a big thing for me because I it never really happens to me in this in the UK. And I wouldn't really rate myself as like a a really, really good surfer, but um the board I've got at the moment is just amazing and I was able to catch it a little bit before it sort of like went super steep and um, there was a few little gems coming through there and and when i parked when i uh, parked up because it's only like five minutes down the road from where i work i looked around the corner and i was like no and like there was lo- everybody that was paddling into waves they were like just tucking in and i saw a couple of people get little barrels and i was like no way they ran down the beach like a little five-year-old <laughs>
1: Nice. Yeah, Croyd's, well, Croyd's amazing for that, isn't it? A low tide. And I saw the other day a picture of Baggy Point, like working like a world-class point break. It looked, I've never seen it look like that before. It looked insane. and. Wow, I was of wanted
0: to be in <laughs> It was it was so big. Yeah. Um there's a there's a there's a friend of a friend posted something, Bo Performance, and yeah. um he posted um he posted that up and I was looking at it, I was like, no way. And it was just reeling in. Um I, that yeah. was that was the I think that was a Saturday and I and I went down to Saunton on the Sunday and it was like again, I don't want to put claims out there or anything like that, but it was like well overhead, like double overhead. And I managed to snag a a couple on a longboard, but it was like really windy and bumpy. It was almost kind of like take off and just hold on.
1: Yeah, it just looked insane. Yeah, I think that's what the forecast is for the next few days as well, isn't it? Big, windy, windy. You, you just take for the best, don't you, when it's like that, because it holds you up at the top and just got to see what you can do.
0: That's where you go and find those little secret places where they're a bit yeah. sheltered, right?
1: Absolutely, absolutely.
0: <laughs> so uh, before we start, I'd just like to get a little bit a bit of background about yourself. So, you know, where did you grow up? How did you get into surfing to get to the point where you are now?
1: Yeah, so I live in bude and I've always lived in Bude, grew up here um very lucky to live here it's beautiful and we've got great waves different spots you know all that you could ask for really i started surfing when i was 12 years old and kind of got into competing at like 15 but you know had a few years of you know learning and and growing and absolutely loving it picked up or got the bug straight away um my uncle taught me um and my cousins when they would come down on holiday in the summer holidays just pull, pull me and my cousin into some you know small white water waves and got a board for my 13th birthday from my nan. My uncle owned a surf shop so that was pretty cool got a board off him from a local shaper and that was it then you know hooked
0: <laughs> What surf shop did they own?
1: Uh, it was called blue oxygen and it was down right on the front at crooklets um, next to okay. arcades and you know kind of had boards that were made for them by a local shaper called Roger. Um, clothes, wetsuits, that you know, that all the surf shop kind of thing.
0: That must have been really cool having an uncle that owned a surf shop because, you know, you see those stereotypical films where Grums hang outside the surf shops like in like the endless summer or um what's another classic like Big Wednesday or Dogtown and Z Boys where you know, the guys are just hanging outside there in the summer and stuff, having a little skate around. Was it a little bit like that or was that just a stereotype?
1: I don't I'm not gonna lie I actually don't remember it that much because I was young it was he did have it when I was you know growing up and for not that kind of long but um yeah you know that those kind of things are epic aren't they and that kind of like community vibe that you've got with it pretty cool
0: how was the how was the sort of like the surfing scene round about then when you were when you were coming up because um I I I remember there was an awful lot of people surfing around you know sort of the North Cornwall area and you know the north devon area is where i predominantly surfed um when when i was based down in plymouth i used to go down to like Newquay and and a few places a little bit further south than that like you know in the early 2000s and and um and late 90s that's how old i am i'm showing my age a little bit <laughs> but yeah how was the surf scene growing up for you and and my counter question with that as well is you know being a female in that sort of environment as well um
1: yeah so super lucky when i was growing up had lots of um good role models and you know surfers to aspire to be like you guys are a couple of years older than me like Job. he was super good he competed for years really good surfer and then Ruben and joss ash uh both local guys they they shred around and um all around here so you know those kind of guys I really looked up to when I was growing up because yeah very male dominated sport didn't really have any like real big women kind of role models as, as such because there, there were um girls I surfed with I had a few girls a few years older than me which were really good to surf with you know build my confidence you know go surfing with them they would they took me under their wing and that was fantastic you know really good friendship group but yeah the very male dominated but that was fantastic you know for me I was a bit of a tomboy growing up so you know I didn't mind that at all it was like whoa they surf so good I want to surf like them when I'm older so yeah and that you know the better I got then obviously I was going out surfing with them in the lineup with them and that was really good because just even now when you surf with better people it inspires you to to get better and push yourself so, yeah, was really lucky with who I had to look up to
0: when I was growing up. I think sometimes you need people that are better than you, especially when you're younger and you're into a sport that does, you know, require a lot of technique um, and lots of practice. You know, the old saying, the 10,000 hours practice where you become a professional. You, you do Definitely. need um, a lot of ro- role models and, and people to look up to just to kind of like emulate or even have them to go with them to push you as well. Because, yeah. you know, I again, talking about myself a little bit, um, I didn't really have that. I did everything myself. I traveled on my own. Um, the only people I had to look up to, and this is going to sound really sad and lonely, is I had dvds and and videos to watch and go right okay that's what he's doing let's try that i mean i do it really shoddily now anyway but (laughs) you know you get the picture
1: yeah no i was exactly the same i remember having um a small little tv um in one of our bedrooms that only played the um only played videos at the time and um i remember me and my brothers would watch surfing videos for hours you know. And I'm talking really old school, uh, like triple crown events in Hawaii, those kind of things. Like I don't even probably like 1980s, 1990s. And just, you know, obviously they were surfing massive waves at Pipe and stuff like that. And at that time I wasn't like, oh, I want to do that when I'm older. But it was just amazing to watch. And you're totally right. You just what you watch, you want to do and you want to copy and you want to be like. So, yeah, like definitely DVDs and videos were a big part of my my growing up as well.
0: Did you have much input, or be were you that interested into like different types of board shapes? Because I know, you know, you compete quite heavily. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Longboarding, but you're also you rip shortboarding as well. To be honest, did you have sort of any influence with that, or did you just kind of go with it and go with what you enjoy riding?
1: So I started on a short board. That was the first board that um, my my nan bought me, and then I kind of went, and that was kind of quite high performance like but at the same time way bigger than I needed I think it was like seven foot you know but bin that kind of thing but it worked worked great to learn on you know when you're small and then I got different boards then from a local shaper and was able to try different things I remember having um quite a bit like quite a fun fish when I was growing up as well and then yeah back into high performance surfing um I think maybe I was like 14 or 15 so I'd been surfing a couple of years and of my dad's gave me a longboard to try out and I was like oh my gosh this is this is amazing this is so much fun and then I was yeah again hooked on longboarding and I think I bought the same board that I tried I actually bought off him maybe a year later or something and then I have my own longboard in my quiver and then that was it you know longboard shortboard whatever whatever I felt like so that was definitely good um and now um have a lot of different boards board shapes and everything like that in my my quiver longboard traditional shapes um high performance longboards um shortboards all kind of shortboards fishes uh twin fins yeah everything so definitely good fun what I'm after at the moment is a fun mini mal those cruising days that you know you don't want a shortboard you don't want a longboard you know but
0: How do you feel about the shortboard, longboard rift that's kind of like an endless, it seems to me that people have got like a real bee in their bonnet about it. Not so much longboarders, but definitely shortboarders, especially in the lineups. Um, I mean, being, you know, we're both shortboarders as well. And yeah, it can get frustrating with longboarders in the lineup as well. But I think my question is really is, why do you think people that predominantly shortboard are so anti longboard and maybe mid length as well.
1: Good question. I don't know. It's it's a hard one really because I actually personally get like it when I'm if I'm longboarding um, and there's shortboarders in. I'm like, oh my god, why is this such a competitive lineup? And then when I'm shortboarding and there's longboarders in, I'm like, oh, can they stop getting all the waves? So. I definitely, you know, riding both, you see it from um, different points of view. But no, I, yeah, I don't know. Definitely very anti long borders, some short borders are. I think where I've grown up, I'm very lucky. Like everybody's super nice. And, you know, be, being a local, everyone's very respectful and, you know, you respect each other and, and you get waves. And, you know, I, I always try not to get all the waves when i'm on my longboard and i'm in a shortboarding crowd because it's really frustrating when you're on the other foot you you feel that vibe don't you sometimes when you're sat there on a longboard and it's all shortboarders and you're like oh why why do they hate me i'm I'm a really nice person i'm not doing anything wrong um yeah
0: (laughs) do you find when you talk to people as well that they're uh, again i'm talking about shortboarders as well because you know a lot of my friends do just predominantly shortboard that they're they're quite resilient to try a longboard out. No, I'm not trying that. I'm not I'm not old yet. Yeah. It's really weird.
1: Um, my so my boyfriend, he actually he could surf before we met, but then he really got into it when we met because I was surfing all the time and he'd come with me. And um he always says, and it's the first person that I've kind of met that actually is like it, he's like, Why do shortboarders not not longboard? You know, it's really small. Why don't they have a go on a longboard instead of getting frustrated on a shortboard, you know, get a longboard, have fun on it, you know, it's so much better. And I'm like, yeah, you know, that is so right. Because obviously I'm like that when it's small. I'm like, oh, why would I go on a shortboard today when you're just going to get frustrated and not really get much? Shortboard are definitely like, you know, there are some that are like longboarders as well. And I'm like, yeah, woohoo, like let's go. But there are some that are like, no, I'm going to shortboard in everything. And I, I do get it because especially as a competition surfer, you need to shortboard and everything to get good because comps can be held in anything, but definitely, you know, have a go on a longboard or a, or a mini mile or a mid length, something, you know, that can make your life so much more fun because it, because it really is, isn't it? You know, there's nothing worse than struggling.
0: Yeah. I've said this before on the podcast where, I, you know, I, I enjoy shortboarding. Um, I enjoy the speed. I enjoy being able to do turns I hate watching myself surf, so I can't really comment on that. I like to think I can. <laughs> um, but I find longboarding so much more so much more fun. Um, I don't know whether it's the fact that, you know, you can get a decent wave count on it. But this morning, I've got a 9-4 really old custard point, uh, like Nose Rider. And uh, I was going to sell it because a few years ago, um I had a few too many drinks and I put my longboard underneath my van and my van rolled over the tail of it and pulled the fin box out so one of my friends was doing a bit of shaping redid the tail for me for some reason he put the the rails in the tail were quite sharp as opposed to you know rounded 50/50 rails for for um, holding the nose on in the water when you, when you walk forward and I've always struggled with it but this morning when I had a bit of speed, and you know, when I walked to the front, it absolutely flew. So I'm like, nah, I'm not going to sell that anymore."
1: <laughs> it's all it takes, isn't it? One good surf, and you're like, "Nope, that's the board. That's the one. I love it." Yeah,
0: yeah, it's the keeper. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk a little bit about your competition then. A uh, uh, competition you're competing. So, when did you start competing in surfing? And did you start competing as a short or a long boarder first? Um,
1: so I started competing about 15. Uh, I started as a shortboarder, I didn't longboard or compete in longboarding for a little while after. Um, I actually got into it, it's a surf life saving event, I used to compete in those and I had a friend called Flora who, she was from a different club, um, she was from um, Croyd actually and she was saying, oh you, oh, you like surfing and I was like yeah you know I love it, I've got into it recently, absolutely loving it and she was like oh well you should come come along to a competition and she competed for a little while previous they're great fun have a go see what you think and the next competition was a rip curl grum search and they were are the best competitions back in the day like amazing prizes and as you you know a teenager you're like oh my god this is amazing you know we got grip pads we got fins our clothes it was yeah fantastic and went along to one of those absolutely loved it I think I managed to come third in under 14s which for my first time was you know it made you feel really good and yeah that that was how it started and because I loved it so much and the people there were really nice I made friends quickly yeah that was all I needed to be like oh I really want to do this this is really good fun
0: okay cool yeah, it sounds um I, i've seen some of the gum searches and they they seem like a really good starter platform as well for people getting into into competitions um you know i've never really been heavily into competing myself i've um you know i've only i've done the odd competition in the military and that's pretty much it to be honest with you but um, I, I can imagine that it's one of those things that i can also push you surfing as well because you're surrounded by, by your own peer group and then when you've seen people doing certain things in you know let, let's be honest the majority of competitions that are held in this country are in pretty mushy shitty waves anyway so watching people do certain things pushes you on a little bit as well
1: yeah yeah definitely and you know when you make friends and in that group we would end up going for sleepovers at different people's houses because it was so much fun on a you know a weekend that we weren't competing and it was fantastic because I made friends you know girl surfing friends I'd never never had before um you know I had I was saying about I had the girls a few years older than me kind of your age it was fantastic because all I surfed with at home were girls a few years older than me or guys that were friends at school you know and to have that different connection and as well from different places so you know it's not at home is fantastic and that like really pushed you because like you said they're your a's they are your peer group so yeah it definitely does push you and want you to be better because you want to you know stay up in the same league as them
0: when did you start competing at a little bit of a higher level like going through the british and then the europeans as well because you came you came third in the europeans in the longboard competition didn't you
1: yeah so i think I was 15 I think actually the first year that I started competing I got into the GB squad junior squad I didn't get selected for that but that was obviously fine you know it was my first year I wasn't really you know that into it at that point I, w- I was into it but you know the thought of competing for my country was daunting and I hadn't had that experience before. <clears throat> then when i was 15 i got selected for the squad again and then i actually made the team and we went to the isa world junior championships in nicaragua which was incredible yeah absolutely incredible definitely somewhere that i actually want to go back again because the culture the waves the temperature everything amazing yeah and then after that i've been in the squad every year since then junior and senior um And then, yeah, like you said, I came third in the European Surfing Championships last July. Sorry, no, July 2019. I keep forgetting about 2020. Um, And then I also ranked third in the WSL European Longboard Tour.
0: Yeah, that's quite an achievement in itself from a country that isn't really renowned for its world-class waves to... Being able to compete in in those different locations and uh, and do that well what were your favorite places that you surfed in those competitions did you have specific places or or my counter question to it as well is what type of waves in those competitions suit your surfing the best you think
1: my favorite actually have been places like nicaragua and i went to senegal for a double cell um african competition uh in 2019 I think it was 2018 or 2019 I'm sorry I can't remember they're all merging into one another at the moment um but like countries like that are you know fascinating because it's parts of the world that I probably wouldn't have traveled to if I wasn't a surfer um you don't think of Senegal as really good waves but the waves were fantastic the climate is brilliant and I think It's a massive difference in culture. Um, Obviously, it's a third world country and it was just amazing to go there and see the country and have that opportunity. Whereas, you know, obviously I love travelling to Europe and I love travelling to Australia. Australia is one of my favourite places as well. But it's just, you know, it's, it's a lot more similar to home, which is great in one sense. But I think going to those places that you wouldn't have been otherwise is, you know, it makes you feel really lucky to do what you do definitely and sorry your counter question was waves wasn't it I prefer surfing on my backhand I think because it's a lot easier to get more critical um you know pivot points with the bottom turn and everything and getting your nose above the board. Uh, sorry nose above the wave yeah definitely I think I prefer left-handers obviously that from a shortboard point of view I went to China for the ISA World Longwood championships back in 2018 and that was a left-hander and i absolutely loved it i i love surfing less on my um on my longboard as well and it's quite similar it was quite a similar wave to um bucks mills actually i don't know if you've surfed it yeah um but i surfed there a lot before i went to china to kind of get used to going left all the time and it was a bit let's say better than bucks that might be you know I, I love but but obviously it's, it can get quite fat and everything so this wave in Hainan was you know super clean and um you would have different sections of the reef that would really jack up and you had a really good nose riding section or a really good turn section so yeah I think backhand actually I definitely prefer although currently working on my forehand for both so yeah that might change in the future.
0: What are your thoughts on you were talking about the WSL competitions what are your thoughts on Starting with the women's shortboarding, the WSL women's competition now having equal pay to the men, but also now they're starting to introduce more of the critical waves involved in the competition as well. So, you know, they they surf pipe, the first competition of the season, but they're also going to Chopra as well. Do you think that women's surfing should be at that standard now, especially with the guys that are coming through and the standard of the surfing and do you think it's going to boost what people are going to be watching because surfing these days especially with media and small edits is becoming more and more mainstream and more easy for people to watch where like you know back in you know the early 80s or the late 90s you had this really chad ASP 40 minute program that came out and it was just focused on the men's event rather than everything incorporated together
1: yeah, I think, I think it's fantastic that they've introduced equal prize money. I think it's been a long time coming. The women really deserve it, especially, you know, in the championship tour um, at the highest level. They are fantastic. They are the best of the best. And you watch them and some of them surf, well, all of them surf so good. I look up to Lakey Peterson quite a lot because I think her the way that she surfs is so powerful and really really like high performance is just brilliant and I think those women that they they work as hard as the men you know they, they are at the top of their level as are the men so why they shouldn't have equal prize money has always been questionable you know they they are the best of the best and it is their job and they're paid to do it and they train as hard as they possibly can to to be as good as they are so I think having equal prize money it really it's a great thing for them because they deserve it and they've deserved it for a long time and yeah definitely those now surfing those waves that the men are surfing on the WSL I think is fantastic because it definitely pushes them you know you you watch the women there and you know they don't always look massively comfortable I remember watching one of the heats at Pipe and you know they didn't get a wave one of both of the girls didn't get a wave for ages you know but that's the same as the men that's anything in surfing you know like they don't game i remember before pipe carissa was surfing with jamie o'brien and training with him her, as as her coach and that shows that she's out there she's she's not messing around she wants the best surfer that could teach her how to surf that wave and you know he he just goes and there's no holding back with him so i think it really shows that the women they want to give it their all and you know in those waves and lakey the same with her she i watched a um, a vlog of hers. she went out to Tahiti to, to, to train at Chopu because they had an event there and she wanted to make sure she was in a good place to go there and learn to um, ride barrels on her backhand and like it just shows that they're willing to put in the time and you know those aren't ways that she's grown up surfing so you know it's, it's yeah it's really fantastic to to watch them go out there and surf amazingly and show everybody in the world that they deserve that equal pay and they deserve to be surfing those waves like the men
0: do you feel that side of things so the shortboarding side do you feel that effect towards longboarding as well so i mean obviously you know covid's kind of taken a big hit on competition in the last 12 months but you know the equal pay thing has been in for what a couple of years now have you have you noticed any effect from that coming towards the longboard tour
1: not massively but again the the women on the longboard tour they they're they're amazing they surf as good as some of the men full stop you've got Chloe Calmon, um Honolulu uh Rachel Tilly they're like they're all amazing you know and again they are at the top of their game they are fantastic surfers and competition surfers because you know that's a different kind of surfing and they are just so beautiful with what they do and with longboarding, obviously it's slightly different to shortboarding. It's it's more of an art. It's you know you're dancing on your surfboard, and the way some of those girls walk up and down their surfboards is just it's just fascinating. You know it's it's absolutely amazing. And I think sometimes they like I I love watching women longboard. Can compared to men, um, you know I think some of the women just have a style to longboarding that is just yeah complete art it's just absolutely amazing and just watch
0: it all day long I remember growing up um well not growing up when I was in my 20s I'm making myself so really old here (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Belinda Baggins was you know one of those one of those women that just made everything look really effortless and that's I think that's one of the things that I enjoy the most about watching longboarding and you know talking about mini males as well watching mm. people on a mini the the flow and making everything linked together that makes it look effortless and like you put really nicely you know dancing on a board is what draws me to it and a lot of people i think there are guys and um, girls out there that would probably look at shortboarding they're coming up doing smash after smash off the lip very skateboard orientated um and very you know having to do those maneuvers in in critical positions but like you were talking you know at the very start of the podcast about having lots of different surfboards you know i i have a quite a varied quiver as well from a fish you know to a i even have an sup that's how cheesy i am <laughs> so the variation in it just makes it more in more enjoyable i think and does help with your style and and the way that you want a surfer wave you know if a wave's fat you can take your longboard out or like you say like your minimal or your mid length or a fish you know if you've got a big fat fish you can do that and i think having those type of people that do that that are not necessarily in those competitions the wsl competitions or the ct or the longboard events that have this social media platform now it's more accessible to for people to go i do you know what i could do that as well
1: yeah on social media just i get lost in my phone sometimes watching watching borders especially on instagram i'm just like wow you know i want to do it like that um yeah it's just it is beautiful to watch i think and I, i always found it Um, quite tricky because I'm not a light-footed person and I find this on my shortboard and longboard you know shortboard for critical um, blow the tail out turns and I've always found cross-stepping like hard not cross-stepping the actual cross-step but actually being so light on my feet to be able to whiz back and forth and make it look really nice so it's something I've had to work really hard on and part of that is watching people and being like I want to do it like that you know so yeah I think social media on on that sense is amazing being able to watch the best surfers in the world from from your phone and like you said they're not all competitors on the WSL tour there's there's a massive amount of surfers that are just surfers because they love surfing and they they do it as well as some of the best surfers in the world
0: how do you think longboarding can be made more appealing for people to watch, especially competition, which is what I'm talking about predominantly, really, because I was talking to Devin Howard about how you can make longboarding more appealing because they did the Kelly Slater Ranch competition mid last year and it had some really, really bad feedback from it because it was almost like, an NFL advertisement you know for beer which you know went went down really badly how do you think they can make the longboarding competitions more appealing for people to watch like you would do shortboarding for instance because you know quite there's quite a big audience for that
1: yeah I think probably the the main thing that I can think of is the kind of waves that are on the tour so and I know that Devon's really pushing this um, on you know changing where the tour goes for the kind of waves because I think surfers being able to showcase what they can do, especially, you know, you don't want to take the best traditional longboarders in the world to a shortboard wave, you know, or a predominantly shortboard wave, you know, super high critical fast wave. You know, longboarders need to be on a wave that is like like a point break, you know, a really good longboarding wave, and I think that makes a massive difference because you're then able to watch those surfers at their best. Nobody wants to watch people really struggling in waves. And I remember a few years ago, we went to Taiwan and it was massive. And then the year after, it was also massive and it was so big the year after that they had to move it to a different wave. Um, And the wave that they held it on was this massive left-hander and it was, you know, amazing. And the girls and the guys performed really well, but, they were talking about the wave that they choose, that they need to be choosing more longboarding waves so that it it will only entice people more to watch, I think, watching people surf their best. So, yeah, I think that's one of the main things. Um, and I know, like I said, I know that Devon's trying to change whether they, where they take the longboarding. Like Malibu's on the list for this year, 2021. That's a fantastic wave for longboarding. I don't know if you watched any of the Surf Relic when they held that yeah. there, but just incredible you know whether it's small whether it's big it's a fantastic wave because it's something that allows you really good longboards, a uh, really good nose riding section sorry and really good turn sections so you've got a bit of everything for for everyone and it's a long wave it's not a short fast hollow wave you can do you can showcase the best of the best there i think
0: yeah you're definitely right definitely the the wave selection and location choice but it's also really difficult as well because you've also got to kind of have that window to book in those competitions. And it's not like you can just wait for the best swell to come through because you might only have a two week window to put it through. So I think sometimes that's where, you know, surfing, because it's using environmental factors is really difficult to predict and hold competitions that people can you know have something aesthetically pleasing like football or rugby because it's in the controlled environment as well Um, which is probably why there's a lot of conversation about wave pools and stuff these days because yes it is autonomous and it pumps out the same wave every single time you can recreate the same conditions you know whereas like if you're surfing a point break every single wave is going to be different because the energy has come from different places i don't know there's lots of pros and cons for for holding competitions in different places but also having a static wave tank to surf in as well i mean have you been to the wave up in bristol
1: yes yeah i have i was lucky enough to go and surf that um when it opened and i, I think it's a great wave uh longboard and shortboard I've, I've done both on it and i really enjoyed it and now they've they've got the new settings in trying the different settings is really interesting too because they are so different you know it's not one wave that comes out and it's just that all the time you know changing those settings makes it really interesting and really fun have you have you had a chance to go there
0: yeah i've i've managed to surf the advanced wave when it first opened so the beginning of last year i went in february i did the advanced plus just before for Christmas. Um, I've not managed to do the expert one yet, so I'm uh I'm hoping that when this lockdown finishes we'll be able to get down there. But yeah, it's definitely um it's definitely different on the on each one, that each section opens up a little bit more, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I find even they're meant to be the same, but like different side that you surf. So if you're surfing the left or if you're surfing the right, I find even depending whether you're goofy or regular, obviously, I find that the wave is very different to surf so like the advanced right I found on a longboard like super fun and super easy you do a turn and then you go straight up to the nose and and you can hold it like for a good amount of time on the left I found it a lot more difficult and I don't know whether it was just because I was on my back hand but the shape of the wave even felt more difficult it felt like it was coming towards you more and it was a bit faster but you know again super fun and i'm definitely looking forward to going back up there and trying more settings you know they've now released the intermediate setting
0: okay yeah I the think uh, is. i think it's why is it called waikiki or something like that
1: <laughs> um, yeah yeah absolutely and i was speaking to ben skinner and because he's an ambassador up there and he says it a lot and he said that that Wave is actually really fun for longboarding, especially traditional longboarding, you know, single fin or something. So I'm really excited to go up there and actually try that because although it's smaller, it looks like the dreamiest kind of two foot two footer that you could
0: that you could have. You mentioned earlier about going over to Asia and surfing there. How do you feel about surfing being in the Olympics?
1: Yeah, I think it's it's really exciting. Um, obviously I have a a view from being a competitive surfer and almost having that chance because uh, of the GB team and everything like that but yeah I think it's so exciting for for surfing I think there's definitely two sides to it isn't there you know you've got the competitive side and then you've got there's a lot of people that disagree with it but personally I think for the sport of surfing it's brilliant I think it will really push it it will put more money into it so for younger boys and girls that are coming up through the ranks and that are at the top of their game it will allow training facilities that we've never had you know being slightly older we never had that support we always had team GB and team England and that but I think you know having a high performance centre like Sports like gymnastics and you know all the all those kind of other sports that have had lots of money pumped into them that they have having that same opportunities I think it's yeah amazing and over in in um, Tokyo fantastic I know the beach break there looks pretty fun
0: yeah I'm I'm quite interested in it as well I mean I. I... I'm a bit of a pest when it comes to surfing. and watching lots of different competitions and like you were talking about earlier, talking about, you know, watching YouTube edits and I'm really addicted to it, you know, quite naughty and getting caught out spending a lot of vanishing minutes and hours going along, (laughs) watching clips and stuff on my phone and on my computer. I found something which was absolutely criminal the other day. There's a website called The Surf Network, which is like four pound a month it's it's like in dollars or something but it's an American thing and it's got every single surfing film you can think of from longboard into shortboard into it. oh man it, it's naughty and I, I I started watching bits and you bobs it of that I, it <laughs> I could I could give you some links to some some different things and you get lost for <laughs> lost for days days yeah I I I, th- I find it really distracting Sometimes, especially when I'm spinning plates, and you know I've got my, I'm running the gym, running the podcast, I've got my family at home, I'm looking for waves and stuff, and it's just kind of like, oh come on, I think I should prioritize a little bit better. I think
1: (laughs) I need to do the same.
0: (laughs) How do you feel about the whole the surf GB scene and the surfing scene in the UK At, at the moment? Do you feel being a competitor for the country? Do you feel like surfing is, is slowly getting there with other sports or do you think there's there's still some improvements that could be there that could be honed?
1: Yeah, I, I definitely think it's improved. Surfing England have really stepped up recently and they are wanting to, well, we've, we've got a squad and instead of it just being a squad that is picked from one event, our team manager and our team coach, and we have monthly, well, before this lockdown we were having monthly sessions together as a squad and I think that's a massive thing because being able to surf like we were saying earlier with your peers and pushing each other and just having that support network I think is really crucial and I I think it's fantastic especially for junior surfers coming up the fact that this is what we've got now it's it can only improve you know and and they've got something to look up to as well now it it's now a thing you know oh I want I want to be in that squad and, you know, the juniors, what they've got as well is a really good setup and they, I believe are having sessions regularly with different, you know, different places and different coaches. So I think it really is improving and the whole Olympic thing as well, hopefully getting, I think British surfing, hopefully getting a grant uh, soon from UK sport because of surfing being in the Olympics and there being, I think it's called progression the level progression so they will get so much money um it can only improve you know with that with that funding that's never been there before I think you know the first step is like it's not athletes actually getting it themselves I think it's really making that development squad and pathway a a real thing you know and, and really pushing that to allow surfers to actually have somewhere to progress to have somewhere to work work on and and have dedicated coaches to go with that I think it can only make the difference to getting Britain up to a level that's, you know, like like the rest of the countries, you know, the best of them.
0: Yeah, hundred percent agree. How is your own personal training going? So I know you're putting some stuff up on Instagram. You're deadlifting and some Olympic lifts and stuff. You know, how, how do you find incorporating that with sort of like your own physical fitness? You know, going along with your own your own surfing as well.
1: Yeah, so I really enjoy that side. I- I I always have I've always been sporty so uh, when I was at an age where I could go to the gym um, I used to train this lady called Heidi who was amazing she was a surfer but she was uh, a boxer as well and she was a really talented boxer and she um, opened my eyes to a lot of different things in the gym and made me really really enjoy it made sessions fun made sessions hard and I um, really pushed me and now I train with a guy called Angus at Peak Performance which is based in Bude and he's he's great um you know he really knows what what I need and what surfers need so he's a surfer himself and he studied strength and conditioning at university so he's got that real you know the real knowledge to uh, the scientific knowledge I think um really helps to push a- athletes in general and we do lots of different stuff like like lots of really fun stuff at the moment I've just been on a new program since lockdown and it's really good it's different to what I've normally been trained training like you said using Olympic weights but also um doing different things like quite like imbalanced things so uh, at the moment we're training this certain deadlift and and you've got this band with a weight over the one side and it's just really it's, it's fun and cool training things that you know I wouldn't train myself at the gym and that we don't normally train together and we're training hard at the moment to push my surfing both shortboard and longboard Um, at the moment I'm working on shortboard a lot because I've been coaching with a guy called Joel at Surf Solutions and he's so oh he's like a grom like absolutely he's so dedicated and and he's so um, enthusiastic and I love training with him so that's really good and we've got a lot of things that we're working on at the moment in shortboarding so being able to see and hopefully see in the future that Uh, you know transferability from the gym to the ocean will be yeah fantastic
0: do you feel like you're gonna start converting over from being a longboarder to a uh, shortboarder (laughs) now do you
1: well maybe I've went through this phase recently well actually the last lockdown um, well sorry the main lockdown back in March came back from a longboard trip in Australia and I just longboarded all the time because we could only we walked to the beach because I live really close to the beach and me and my boyfriend surfed this way that we hadn't really surfed before because it was right down from my house down the cliffs but nobody was there the whole lockdown for like eight weeks straight we had it to ourselves and all we did was longboard all day um and and loved it and then I've just continued doing that and now it's got to this lockdown I've I think coaching with Joel has made me really enthusiastic about shortboarding again so I've really got into that and I definitely go through phases where I'm like, oh, I'm a shortboarder. No, I'm a longboarder. And I think it's for me, it's finding that balance and being able to do both. Um, but I definitely let the waves kind of decide that for sure. I'm like I'm a longboarder today because the waves are good for longboarding. Oh, and today I'm going to shortboard because the good waves are good for shortboarding.
0: This is my dilemma. So when I was surfing this morning, <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is really good. And it was like chest maybe a little bit of head high coming through only two of us out it's absolutely perfect perfect for longboard and i was like this is this is amazing but then i'm like the little the little man on my shoulders going what's it like around the corner is it (sighs) is it better around the corner it might it might be it's getting it's getting mid-tide to low-tide is it going to be better and i was like no just just stop it and uh, i had to get out anyway because i was so cold with feet but i couldn't feel my feet in my hands in the end (laughs) but uh, yeah i always get stuck in a dilemma and it's it's one of those things with surfing isn't it it's you choose your location where you're going to go out you choose what equipment you're going to go on but then part of you's like it could be better somewhere else
1: yeah you definitely have that dilemma in north devon as well having saunton and croyd they're two completely different breaks but it's great that you have those and have that diversity that you can you know I love Thornton on a big day because it can be, you know, overhead, double overhead. And like I would pick a shortboard normally, but going Thornton, you can longboard and it is so much fun. Um, it's just mellow and cruisy and although it can get heavy when it's by the, it can get really good when it's by the cave, can't it? But yeah, uh, it's definitely good having those different breaks to definitely progress with you and both.
0: It, it, is a, it is a really nice place and I th- think North Devon is one of the nicest places i mean i've surfed cornwall quite a lot and i i just think the location's amazing there's so much diversity all the way from you know the north coast up the bristol channel through you know ill and you know even to go the other side of the estuary mouth to go towards biddyford you've got westwood hoe and there's there's lots of little nooks and crannies and a few little places that you can just drop down some cliffs and some you know just just go looking for stuff yourself i mean even saunton it's i know what you're
1: talking
0: <laughs> i i don't know what you're talking about even even saunton itself it's such a massive beach that there's so many different peaks you just have to walk down um and and go and have a little look for them yourself where, where are some of the uh best places outside the competition that you've gone to surf have you traveled a lot
1: um so yeah i've done different types of traveling you know been on a bus trip in europe with my friend that that wasn't surfing um yeah um but i'm trying to think went to australia back five years ago i actually flew today five years ago to australia for the first time and again uh, with the same friend and we actually did Got the bus, got the Greyhound bus from um, Sydney up to Cairns, and surfing some of those spots up the um, east coast were just fascinating. And when I went back to Australia in February last year to go, we we actually hired a camper van to some some places that I hadn't got to go to when I was last out there, or I had got to go to, and I knew they were just so good. So what, there was a place that was really good, Crescent Head. Uh, in australia we we went out for six weeks last february and after the competition the wsl competition we then like i said went in a motorhome and traveled down to sydney and crescent head was i think my favorite place it was it was amazing just people were really cool we had a, a campsite right right by the point and you just you know you woke up walked over all the surf pumping let's go get our board and i remember we surfed from the morning we got out for breakfast we would get back in we would get out for lunch and then we would get back in and you know you were in for hours and it just worked throughout the day and it was a great wave I, I do like rights because it's regular yeah it was so much fun and we had a really good swell there it was like one of the best that they'd had that year I know you were only we were only a month into the year but um they, they get obviously great waves out there so to have the waves that we got was fantastic another place in Australia was I want to say Emerald Beach I can't actually Remember what it's called, but it was a bit, I want to say a bit further south, and there were kangaroos on the headland, and that was so cool, you know, just wild kangaroos because, you know, you don't see that in England, but in Australia it's so common. And we went up there and walked up there, and it was fantastic. And then right down next to the headland were just these good overhead waves and I surfed there that night and the morning after and had some absolutely pumping waves with hardly any people out and it was really cool to find those beaches where not everybody was and you know it it wasn't like snapper rocks where it's heaving you know there were places where it's really quiet and you can get some world-class waves
0: definitely the bigger countries like america and australia and you know even some of the islands around indonesia and sumatra you have the more well-known breaks that people will probably go to and it'll be really really busy but you know there are there are those really nice little spots that you can just go driving around on a scooter or if you've got a higher car and just go go looking around the coves and the cliffs Mm -hmm. and stuff and like you're saying you had a house in australia that was literally right outside there was a break and there was no one there and I think that's what really makes surfing a little bit more unique than other sports is the fact that you can travel around and all you need is a wetsuit and a board and it's really accessible to do and all you have to do is just just go and look and that that's the whole point of it really and what you were talking about earlier about competition and and making surfing more mainstream because more and more people are doing it I think There is a little bit of a soulfulness to it as well. But I think you have to, you can chop and change and decide when you want to do that. I mean, obviously, you're a competitor, so, you know, you can go and compete and do that. But you also like the solidarity of going away and finding somewhere with with your friends or your boyfriend or or whoever it is that you're going to go surfing with. And you, you can find that. It's just having that knowledge base behind to be able to achieve that.
1: Oh, absolutely and I think that's what I've loved so much about lockdown um, when we went into it last March was there was nothing on the horizon you know no comps no nothing and I'd just come back from a comp and I hadn't done very well and but I just although it was a competition I'd just come back from the most amazing six weeks in Australia so you know it's like a a love-hate relationship isn't it you can't be too hateful because you're in Australia and it's just amazing Um, but just having that freedom I've not had that since I started competing you know having that time off you know normally it's from November until February it's it's three months off a year and to have this you know not sure when you're gonna go and compete again was Ah, I absolutely loved it you know part of me did miss competing but not as you know I was I surprised myself I was like This is just amazing, just surfing and really connecting with surfing again. It's very easy to get into that head of, oh, I've got a competition here and a competition here. Need to train hard, need to make sure I'm eating right and, you know, everything like that. And I think it was much more just flowy. And I was like, I absolutely love my life. And, you know, I'm very grateful for my family. And I'm grateful to live here and be able to walk to the beach and enjoy this all day. And yeah, could definitely reconnect with surfing in a much deeper sense of just competing. It was I could surf what I wanted when I wanted, and it's. I think now I will. It will always be like that for me when I go back to competing. It. I think it really makes you realize that it doesn't matter. Obviously, I'll always try my best, and you know I want to do the best I can, and I want to work as hard as I can. But it. It doesn't matter. You know, having that love for surfing and having that connection with something so deep is. The most important thing with you know anything in life you know family um everything like that i think it it really shows you showed you or shows me the importance of that loving surfing (laughs) at the moment and and hopefully forever
0: we've talked a lot about surfing over the last hour what are your outside of surfing interests you know what what do you do outside of surfing to you know as a pastime or what what do you enjoy doing
1: so i absolutely love golf I'm like obsessed with golf um I only really got like the bug back in May after lockdown finished um when I've been a member at my local club for a few years and I was a junior there I started golf way before I started surfing because my mum was she played for England and my granddad was and my grandma were county players and captains and champions so it's in my in my family but I never really You know, I I did it and I loved it, but you know, it was like on the side and coming home last year and being in lockdown, we were in our garden and my mum and my brother, we were like having little chipping, you know, chipping fun. Like we got a bucket and we just chip off a mat and my mum hasn't played golf since she had me or she played for a few years and then she didn't play again because she had that competition pressure and she hated it. So she started, she joined in May with me and to play with her was just, you know, it's been wonderful to have that, again, that connection with my mum and to be able to do something that she loves and that I now love, you know, together. And I play with my boyfriend as well. And I quite often go out with him and my mum and granddad and, you know, to have three generations doing that, you know, I've count myself very lucky and, I definitely am glad that I'm playing with, you know, able to play with my granddad and my mum. So yeah, golf. Sorry, got this should be a golfing podcast. <laughs> I'd be so into it, <laughs> but um, don't get, no, don't I'm, me I'm, I'm not... <laughs> Do you like it or not like it?
0: Yeah, I, I, I was very similar to you. My my, because um, I'm from the Midlands originally, and uh, my my okay. granddad was heavily into it, and I, he bought me golf clubs when I was you know four or five years old. I was all right, I was all yeah. right at it, but I've never really been, I've never really hunkered down and, you know, taken it up seriously. I, I enjoy playing it. I've got golf clubs hanging up in my garage at home, <laughs> but they come out like maybe two or three times a year. So um, I, I think, uh, I don't know what it is with, with people that are competitive with golf, because, you know, <laughs> you, you see a lot of people that are, you know, professional athletes or whatever i mean look at kelly slater and all the pros and yep. you know all them guys you know lakey peterson as well and and uh and a few of the other guys on the women's tour as well Spare time when there's some lay days that's where they're down the danley the danley golf course playing golf and and what what a position to being traveling all around the world surfing and playing golf
1: yeah absolutely and that and that's like now i've really got into it and i've got that bug like but- it, it's killing me not being able to go on the golf course. And, you know, I'm just, a am a mid-handicap amateur golfer and you've got, you know, I'm here complaining about not being able to play golf and there's going to be professionals out there that are also struggling with it way more than I am right now. But um, no, it's just, it, it's fantastic. I think being able to take it around the world is what I'm really excited when I can get back travelling is some of the places that we go with surfing, there are the most amazing golf courses out there. And I'm so excited to be able to actually take that opportunity and, and go and play golf. I know my mum, she was talking about, oh, when you go away, like I'll come because we can take our golf clubs. And, and I was like, yes, yes, we can do that, mum. And it, it was definitely more me pushing her than her pushing me in that sense. She was like, oh, maybe. And I'm there like, no, no, we, you need to come. We can go and play golf in, in Lanzarote <laughs> or, you know, wherever, wherever we're going. But yeah, just. I think i think it's because it's a very similar sport in the sense that you golf you can't master my grand my grand has always taught me that he said it's not something you can master which is why people are so addicted to it because no game is ever the same and yeah i could talk all day
0: about golf Emily, we're going to uh, tie this up a little bit and i'm going to finish off with a quick fire round i love saying right. this at the end i call it a quick fire round but it never ends up being a quick fire round <laughs>
1: i'll try my i'll try my best i won't i won't get like carried away
0: so the first question is if you had one surfboard fin setup for the rest of your life would it be a single fin twin fin quad thruster bonzer or finless or i'm going to throw a bonus one in there which i did last time a two plus one
1: a twin fin
0: your favorite surfer and why tatiana
1: Weston webb actually or steph gilmore or both of them really, really good. Um, their styles and and the way that they surf are just amazing.
0: The first surf film you ever watched?
1: Uh, that Triple Crown event that I told you about on a video. Classic.
0: The, the last mm-hmm. surfing film you ever watched or you have watched?
1: Oh, I watched Riss, which is Carissa Moore's uh, video. I watched that about four or five days ago. It's really good. Recommend to anybody who likes Carissa Moore or women surfing
0: you know that got some really bad press did it yeah oh, I, I
1: really enjoyed
0: it i did i I watched it as well and I, I don't watch this is going to sound really shallow i don't watch surfing films for it being in depth i watch it for yep. the surfing and people yeah. were saying it was very surface you didn't get to see into carissa's life she didn't really open up and those like that why? Why would you want to do that to somebody in a film? What are you going to tell everybody on a film your deepest, darkest secrets? That's just dumb.
1: Yeah. Well, the, like I definitely thought she did more than like the average surf film. Well, then it? it was like there was a bits about her life. But yeah, like I, I totally agree with you.
0: Your dream surf trip.
1: Oh, um, I would like to go to the Maldives because I've never been to the Maldives and uh, it just looks incredible. About trip there would be a dream come true
0: beautiful emily curry thank you for very much for talking to me on the podcast
1: thank you very much for having me it's been a pleasure
0: and that's it if you're enjoying the podcast please like share and subscribe on your podcast provider and also follow the grumpy surfer on instagram thanks for listening